Hi there. Today you're listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich. This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Join me as I share some practical applications of the fruit of the Spirit. Here is where you can learn tools to cultivate things like love when you find your son sitting in paint, joy while cleaning up the paint, and peace in more areas besides just hiding in the bathroom. Yes, it is possible to love God, love others, and enjoy it. Welcome to episode six, Gentleness and Decision Making. I'm so happy to join you today, and I want to start off with a question for you. How confident and easy does it feel to you to make decisions? Does it feel like a gentle process in your life, or is it something that's a little more difficult? Well, today I'm going to be sharing three of my favorite ways to experience gentleness when it comes to decision making. And along the way, you'll also get to hear a little bit about that insane hour that is just before dinner. We all know this hour. Some late night campfires and some huge school decisions. So sit back and relax and let's chat about how we can decide big things without ripping a hole in our brains. All right. First of all, I have to tell you where I like to start with decisions. It may seem a little obvious once I explain it, but I think it's important to ask the obvious questions first. In fact, that's the beauty of obvious questions. If there's a clear answer to an obvious question, you're done. No further inquiry is actually necessary. So the pre-step to, or the bonus, which I'm putting at the beginning here, is to first ask the obvious questions. So what are those obvious questions in decision making? Well, they're really related to who we've chosen to be, our identity, because as believers, we've chosen to our align our identity with Christ, right, and follow him in complete obedience. So if there's already a clear direction in how we should be following Christ in complete obedience, then we don't have to keep wondering what to do. It's already there. And honestly, when we keep mulling over a decision like that, it's usually because, well, let's face it, when I do that, it's usually because I don't want to do the right thing and I'm just squirming around looking for a way out. Have you ever felt that way? Man, I it is such a frustrating place to be. But what if we could really reduce our anxiety simply by surrendering to who we've already chosen to be and surrender to who we've already said we're going to be in obedience to, allowing that to inform our choices without a lot of stress? So the obvious questions are things like, is this an issue of absolute truth? Is there clear biblical morality or a clearly revealed will of God here? Does the Bible clearly have a stance on the issue? Am I open to his leading or am I resistant to being swayed in some way? Have I prayed about it? Is there an obvious biblical principle that applies here, like love or honesty or stewardship? Is your spouse extremely certain of a decision and you're just resisting? These are just kind of foundational questions that we ask when we're considering a decision, just double checking like, hey, I want to make sure I'm coming from a place of obedience to Christ. 
Now, the rest of these things, they're going to work whether you're a believer or not. The things that I share with you today, they will help you make calm decisions whether you're a believer or not. But as believers, we choose to start off with that absolute truth and come from that framework. And so that's really important to start there. And I want to give you an example of how I really resisted this in my life. It's a little bit embarrassing, um, but it was when at a time in my life when I was praying about when to get married. I met Brandon, my husband, when I was 19. And while I wasn't a total mess at the time, I was pretty close to a total mess. It could have been worse, but I'm really glad that it wasn't. However, since I was kind of coming out of being a total wreck, living in an apartment with a boyfriend, smoking, drinking, uh, hanging out until all hours of the night in places that I had no business being. Trust me, there was plenty more to that story. But the point is that since I was coming out of that and going back to college, and my my dad really wanted us to take our relationship kind of slow. In fact, Brandon, when he went to talk to my dad about dating me, my dad said, are you really sure you want to do that? <laughs> My dad was really concerned for Brandon because I had been so um, unstable for a while. And thankfully, Brandon was certain, and I'm grateful that he's been certain ever since. However, at the time, I was in a place in my life where I had some debt. I was a little all over the place. Brandon was in school, working. He had car payments. And nothing particularly awful, but my dad felt like it was all a little too risky for us to just go ahead and get married quickly, even though we were certain that's what we wanted to do. So he declared that we needed to wait until I had no debt and Brandon was out of college. We agreed until we didn't want to, (laughs) which was shortly into our engagement in the second year of our relationship. And we were looking at another 10 months before we were getting married. Uh, I did not want to wait that long. And he didn't either. And so in spite of agreeing with my dad to wait originally and having a clear date to get married in May of 2000 and working on getting out of debt, I thought we should really decide if we ought to move the date up sooner because that's really what I wanted. Can I just tell you that it was such a yucky feeling? praying, listening, trying to hear from God that he wanted us to get married in December instead. But I just felt like I heard nothing. It increased my anxiety and my discouragement. It increased my frustration. And I felt like I wasn't hearing from God. But the truth was I had committed to honoring my parents in this decision. We both had. We had agreed to their terms. And there wasn't really a compelling reason to go against them other than impatience and a desire to throw self-control out the window. Neither of which were really wise reasons for disobedience or breaking an engagement. Uh, Not the engagement, the agreement, (laughs) breaking the agreement with my dad. So when we finally came to terms that I needed to just do what I had agreed to, honestly, I had a little bit of a pity party tantrum temper tantrum with myself. And then I surrendered to what I had already committed to. And we went through with the original plan of getting married in May. But do you know, it also felt good to let that pressure go. I still had to deal with the waiting and there's a gentle peace that comes from aligning with who I've chosen to be in Christ, even when it's difficult. It felt good 
to stay in alignment with who I've chosen to be. So let's ask the obvious questions first. If you're really struggling with a decision and you can't figure out what you're supposed to do, first, be clear on those things, the obvious questions. And then if you still don't know what to do because it isn't spelled out so clearly in the Bible, then then move on to these other options that I'm going to share with you. Okay, so that was your bonus. Congratulations. Now we're going to move on and um, and address the times where we really feel like, okay, I don't see an obvious answer to this. I still, I don't see a clear line. I still feel kind of stuck. Well, I actually have an entire training on this in our online group, but I'm going to share with you three of my favorite questions to ask that help me choose wisely, quickly, and from a place of peace. The first one is best illustrated by a classic situation that most mothers have faced and I think you'll be able to relate to. You know it, it's that couple of hours of insanity in the late afternoon. Little kids are running around from their nap. Older kids are mostly done with school. You're making dinner. There's a fight breaking out in the living room. The phone is ringing. Someone's crying. Dinner's burning. Dad's about to either walk in the door to a disaster or he just texted you and said he isn't going to be home for a couple more hours. Honestly, at the time of my life when little kids were running all around, either of the two dad possibilities felt about the same. It was just completely overwhelming. And here I found myself frequently thinking, what on earth do I do? I can't be in all these places at once. In fact, I would even shout sometimes. I can't solve all these problems at the same time. I can't fix everything at once. This is insane. Somebody has to go last. (laughs) And when I, I'm so thankful that when I began my own coaching journey, my coach taught me to close my eyes and take some deep breaths and ask, Mary, how do you feel? What do you need? And then I'd listen. Have you ever tried that? Just stopping and asking, how do you feel? What do you need? Honestly, I can't explain how often the answer was actually, woman, you need to go to the bathroom for the last two hours. So how about you stop and go do that? (laughs) And when I would do that thing that I needed, it's like something would open up in my mind and all of a sudden I could see more clearly how to prioritize everything else. Okay, I can just pause the dinner, stop the fight, set them up with an activity, Ignore the phone, decide it's okay to have the TV TV babysit them. We got this. I can go back to dinner. In fact, things often became clearer when I addressed the need that came up. But as long as I was being tossed around by the chaos, ignoring most of the basic needs, I couldn't see which end was up. Do you see how this decision isn't really dictated by scripture? It's There's any number of things that would have been the best choice or a good choice to make or ways you could have made that decision or ways to navigate that decision. You could have ordered takeout instead of getting dinner. Maybe that was the decision to make. Maybe it was to load them all up and go out to eat. Maybe it was like hundreds of different options. And yet somehow order needed to be brought in. And one way to do that is to just simply ask yourself, How do you feel? What do you need? And listen. It's easy. It's gentle. 
and yet it can blow your socks off how effective it can be. I really encourage you to try this. How do you feel and what do you need? Okay, so the second great question that you can ask for a gentle decision-making process is, which choice will I be glad I made in 10 years? I can illustrate this best by noting one time when it really came into play, um, when I was staying at someone else's house. Um, We had enjoyed a bonfire that night, and to be sure, it was late. The fire was almost out. It was a It was in a clearing far away from the house. The fire was pretty close to water, but I was having trouble sleeping because it wasn't out completely. And I knew it. It was probably going to be fine. So far away, reduced to coals. Actually, it was even raining a little. The rain would probably put it out, you know, yet it was, I was nervous. There was that. 0.001% chance that something would happen in the night and some freak accident or situation would cause something near that fire to catch fire and then it would travel up to the house and burn the whole thing down. And then what if it burned down everyone inside? It was really ridiculous. I couldn't even come up with a legitimate way that the chain of events would actually go that way. And I felt silly that I was standing there wavering about it. Oh, Mary, you're just being ridiculous, I would say. Nothing's going to happen. It's fine. But besides, it wasn't my fire. It wasn't my house or my land. I was a guest. And if I went down there to put it out, I might upset my host. They would feel judged for their decision to leave it, which might cause us a conflict. I didn't want to make them feel bad. Was it really that important? I couldn't decide. And as I stood there going back and forth to put it out or not put it out, to make them mad, not make them mad, my sister-in-law, who was there at the time, came and asked me a golden question. She said, which choice will you be glad you made in 10 years? Oh, easy peasy. In 10 years, I would never regret going down there and making sure that that fire was thoroughly out. Never. I sleep better knowing I was, it was drowning down there in a puddle and I'd be able to live with myself knowing that there was no risk to my kids. But if I didn't, and for whatever reason, that 0.0001% chance actually happened, I would regret it for the rest of my life. And so at that point, I realized that a potential conflict in a conversation was worth risking. And it was so clear. So I made the decision. I went out to the fire, put it out. And there was a little discussion with the host and some hurt feelings, which we worked through. But I don't have any regrets around that decision. So when you're struggling around making a decision, The question is, the second question is, what decision will you be glad you made 10 years from now? And finally, one that um, I use probably weekly and recently used to make a huge decision comes around schooling. So you see, up until this past year, we've homeschooled. In 19 years of marriage, that has only been one year 
that I wasn't fully convinced that homeschooling was the best thing for our family. And that year, God answered in a miraculous way that indicated we were to keep doing that. But this summer has been different. This past summer, there's been this stirring in my heart that perhaps we might be supposed to choose something different for our family. And honestly, I was a little scared. We've already had major transitions in the last 12 months, moving from our home, changing churches, moving from our job, our, of 17 years, moving in with my parents, living in their home for nine months, meeting a new church, meeting a new church family, growing to love them and only to move again and having to start all over. And we went from a home we had poured our hearts and sweat into to make beautiful to purchase our purchasing our own first home and wondering if we could really make the payments and then wondering if we would ever get it livable. Surely we needed continuity somewhere. And so I stalled. I kind of put the decision about school on the back burner. You know, every year I, I knew the pattern in the summer. I would get excited Sometimes, long before the last school year had even ended, I would be excited about the plan, the curriculum, the agenda, what we we're going to do next year. I've directed, I've tutored, I've, I've spoken at events about the power of homeschooling. And this year, I just wasn't feeling it. It felt unusual. And I set it down thinking, I just don't need to think about it right now. I have other things that are the priority, which was okay, knowing that I would get there. But the thing was, is that feeling, that feeling didn't actually come, that inspirational feeling. And more and more, the idea of sending them to school continued to grow in my brain. I was scared. First, I was nervous about a conversation with Brandon. He's always been against sending them to school anytime we've ever talked about it. And so I was concerned about that. Second, I was unsure what others would think. After all, I thought that my coaching practice would be primarily based around supporting homeschool moms. And I was wondering if I would lose all my credibility if I jumped ship. And of course, there's all the things that come up when you place your investment in the hands of someone else and have it analyzed. Are my kids going to be on grade level? Are they going to be okay? Are they going to struggle? Will I be one of those parents that the teachers talk about behind closed doors or to each other saying, uh-huh, here's someone else that thought she could do what we are educated to do, and now we have to clean up her mess. Now, seriously, totally give all the teachers out there a break. I think you're wonderful, and I seriously doubt if any of those lovely people are actually being that judgmental. But it doesn't matter because my mind made up for it just fine, just feeling the fear of my own inadequacy. This decision kind of rolled around, and and I realized in that moment, I needed to ask this third key question. What does fear say? And then what does faith say? In mulling this over, I asked that question, what does fear say? And I got really quiet. And I noticed that in my mind, what came up was fear says you are a crazy woman. This is a terrible time to do this. You're probably going to pay big time for this. In your marriage, in your family, um, it's going to ruin your kids, your, you know, all these things. And then I thought, okay, so now I know what fear is saying. What does faith say? And then quietly, I thought, faith says you've always made this decision together with Brandon. You've decided to be on the same page about this every single year. 
you can at least talk to him about how you're feeling and go from there. And we did have that conversation. And interestingly enough, unlike any other year in the history of our family, our school conversation went a little bit like this. I said, hey, so what are you thinking about for our school situation this year? Any ideas? And Brandon says, actually, I've been wondering if God might want us to send them to public school. And I said, hmm. And just like that, with a little more prayer and logistics discussion, the decision was easy. I didn't have a lot of verses and logical reasoning to back it up. I didn't have anything except miraculous, immediate agreement with my spouse. And that was enough. We were both clear we were making a decision from faith instead of fear. And so I'm asking you if there's a decision in your life where fear is shoving out gentleness, kind of like out of the way, I encourage you to ask, what is fear saying? What does faith say? And really allow your heart to kind of settle and trust and decide from that place. So to review, here are the three questions you can go through. How do you feel and what do you need? What choice will you be glad you made in 10 years? And what does fear say and what does faith say? Listen, the most encouraging thing here is that we can trust God's sovereignty. His will is never defeated by our puny decisions. We can't mess it up. If you don't believe me, just go check out how it turned out with people in the Bible who made some poor decisions along the way, like Adam, Abraham, uh, Pharaoh, King David. Part of the beauty of the gospel is that we're free to do whatever we want. That's the beauty of free will. And if our hearts are longing to follow him and we get off track, then he'll let us know. Either way, he his will still moves forward, and so we can trust him, and it gives me courage to keep going and keep pursuing this fruit no matter what, no matter how many times I mess up. And the other thing is we can trust God's kindness. The Bible in, says in Isaiah that he gently leads those that are with young. Y'all, he's not up there in heaven, hovered over his heavenly computer like some strategic video game player waiting with the anticipation to push the smite button on us. He loves us. He cares for us and he gently leads us if we will let him. And speaking of God's kindness, I'm super excited that that's September's theme. We're going to be talking about incorporating kindness into our everyday lives in practical ways. And while this is a common focus amongst parents, I think you'll be encouraged and hear some fresh new perspectives of how we can cultivate kindness in our lives and in the lives of those we're responsible for. So tell your friends, September's all about kindness. Grab your notes. I look forward to chatting with you again next week. And last but not least, what's that one aha you are taking away from today's episode? Take a minute to take some action. What one idea is going to help you make decisions more easily? I'll catch you next week. You've been listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich, a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. To hear more great ways of growing your mindset in the fruit of the spirit, please subscribe. 
You can listen to other episodes and find additional resources at fruitpursuitpodcast.com. To learn more about Mary Aldrich and the coaching work she is so passionate about, visit maryaldrichcoaching.com. And by the way, what one next step are you taking today?